sometimes we take things for granted and we just expect it. It's an expectation because our tribe owns us and, and we've got to get that service to them. And I, I'm just glad that our company did what we did. And we've had a lot of resources that have helped us get to where we are today. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Today, I'm speaking with Mona Thompson, the general manager of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe Telephone Authority. We're here at uh, Gila River Indian Community um, in Chandler, Arizona, where we are at the uh, Wild Horse Casino, where uh, Gila River Indian Community is welcoming the National Tribal Telecommunications Association. Mona, you've been working uh, as a general manager and even longer for the Telephone Authority in uh, Cheyenne River Sioux uh, for a long time. You're getting ready to retire. So I'm looking forward to catching up on uh, some of the fun stories you've had over the years. But let's start with just telling us a little bit about Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. So I always like to start by telling the history of our company. Our tribal leadership back in 1958 saw a need to provide telecommunication services to the tribal membership on the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe Reservation. And so they purchased the local exchange from a family uh, back in 1958. It was when there were overhead aerial lines um, and eight-party lines. So I always like to, for people that are younger than 20 years old, they may not have heard of eight-party li- eight lines. They haven't even heard of long distance. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so... We, we progressed into, from, from 1958 to the early 1970s, we became the first tribal entity to borrow money from the Rural Electrification Association. And we used those funds to uh, bury copper underground. So then the, the telephone service then became single party line uh, in the early to mid-1970s. So then I go fast forward. I started in 1996 working at the CRSTTA and I was a marketing and economic development specialist at that time, and, and the Telcom Act of 1996 had start, started this whole revolution in, in telecommunications. So Your telecom career is as old as most of the law that we're using right, at this point. Right, <laughs> that is right. We had started out with dial-up internet, and I remember, was that you that talked about it in the boot camp yesterday mm-hmm. about about dial-up internet and how you how slow it was and how you had to compete for the, if the phone rang, you, your internet connection dropped off. So uh, I always say it was slow as molasses. And then we graduated to the DSL service, which was limited to uh, subscribers that were within three miles of our central offices. We serve Dewey and Zeebok County on the Shine River Sioux Tribe Reservation. Um, we do have other wireline providers that are in those counties on our reservation. They're very small. Um, number of subscribers that have service with them and to be honest I don't know who established our study area boundary and why they didn't just include the entire Dewey County and Zeebok County for our company but we have a little bit of wireline service over in uh, north of us on Carson County which is on the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe Reservation Uh, about 20 subscribers there so and this is all in the center of South Dakota for people who aren't familiar correct north central location in South Dakota. So we went to the DSL service and and as as the quality of the copper degraded, the services degraded as well. So the telephones, when it rained, the copper lines got wet, the telephone got static. So 
we we really had to look at uh, upgrading our underground facilities and or some of the bigger companies would say not. <laughs> right, right. But you decided to to keep offering a high quality product. That that is correct. Um, and and we have to for everybody that resides within the Shine River Sioux Tribe boundaries. We we wanted to improve their service. Um, so our board of directors in 2008 made the decision to apply for a RUS loan and and uh, do fiber to the home project. So we were awarded $37.8 million in 2010. So we started our fiber to the home construction project from 2010 to 2016. And we didn't have a crystal ball. We didn't know the pandemic would come in, mm-hmm. in 2020. But it was something we had to do to improve the, the quality of the service to our customers. With the fiber optics, then, then we were able to provide good quality broadband internet service to our, our subscribers. The pandemic has really driven the awareness to how important broadband is. There are a large number of tribal nations that do not have quality broadband service. And I one of the things I appreciate about the organization NTTA is they continuously advocate on behalf of tribes and tribal nations and and really want to see tribes be successful in getting broadband deployed on their tribal lands. Yes, and and I think also really navigating that difficult um, uh, regulatory challenges that come with that, right? Uh, this is something that is uh, is complex <laughs> and um, and is is not really, I feel like, getting friendlier over time. You, you are so right. It, it is a very complex industry. Kudos for all the funding that's been made available for, for the tribes to be able to drive their own uh, broadband service for their tribal members. Uh, I, I really wish them nothing but success, and I, I hope that there are consultants that really have the tribes at heart mm-hmm. and really help them to be, have a successful model when they, when they enter the broadband arena. Yes. So one of the things I'm curious about is your path then. So you started off um, in marketing, you said, and, and support. Is that right? Marketing and economic development. Uh, marketing and economic development. Yep. Yep. And that was in 96. In 2002, I got promoted to the assistant general manager, and I um, was under the leadership of J.D. Williams, who was the, at that time the general manager. J.D. retired in 2012, so we advertised the position. I was interim general manager while it was being advertised, and ultimately I ended up getting hired for the position. <laughs> I am a, a member of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. I'm very proud of, of what our company, our tribe has done, and I'm I'm very hopeful that our company can celebrate another 65 years of success. Um, and as as we pa- I pass the baton off to someone, you know, I, I think there's great things that can happen for our company and our customers on Cheyenne River Reservation. No, I, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but I am curious. You are thought of as someone as a legend around here, like, um, you know, of the of the, the different folks, your name comes up frequently. And, and I feel like you're a very modest person. So I don't want to ask you that specifically. But um, how you I feel like you you were the general manager during this very interesting time where NTTA went from a handful of members, what, 11, 12 members? Is that right? To now, I mean, there's 
there's um, there's not um, uh, as many paying members. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, there's more, but the growth is really in the people that are here. You have more than 600 people here, you know, at this event. When I'm guessing five or six years ago, you would have had less than 100, I would guess. Yeah, that that is so true. And again, you know, the pandemic drove the the need up for broadband services and um i'm gonna divert a little bit i think i think the pandemic has really increased awareness of of indigenous people's issues tribal nations issues it's it's brought them to um the federal government level awareness um just just the general public as overall the mm -hmm. awareness um it's helped indigenous people with their artwork selling it on social media mm -hmm. because during the pandemic there was there was not a lot of movement you can fly places you can um you can yeah. meet in person you can have so you had to do a lot of um meetings virtually and and i think it was it was great for those indigenous artists to be able to get their artwork up out to the world and yeah there's a lot more interest i think in purchasing artwork and so that really created a new opportunities it really did it really did and i'm a huge beadwork fan and i i'm on instagram i'm and i probably shouldn't be using names but hmm. facebook i'm not <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but social media platforms have really been good and bad in a lot of ways just like any anything else how do all these people know who you are that's a good question. I'm. <laughs> You're not I, modest to them. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> I'm not a Facebook. Well, so. One of the things that I'm fascinated by, and and I'm curious if you have any any sense of this. I mean, as I look around right now, uh, I've only been learning about you know tribes in the broadband space for the past few years with the work with the tribal broadband boot camps. Um, but I've noticed a few things. One is that there are a number of tribes where it feels like it's hard for women to get into positions of leadership. Uh, at the same time. When I look at leadership in the broadband space, I see a lot of women in tribes, right? Danae Wilson is at the, is at the White House now. Uh, you, Kristen Johnson, Valerie Fasthorse, Linnea Jackson. Uh, the people that we're often trying to figure out how to put on panels, they're almost all women that we keep coming across. And so have you noticed anything as to any thoughts on, on how, that, how that is happening or why that's happened? You know, I, I think my opinion on that is... Um the, the women that you've mentioned are are just driven by passion mm -hmm. and and so when the powers that be select the positions they they recognize that passion and that drive in the in the women that you've mentioned and i i think that you know the trend just in telecommunications overall not just in indian country but overall there's there are getting to be more and more women leading telecommunication companies um, yeah, Allison Mitchell is the one I forgot. Um, there's, oh, yes. there's, there's still others that you could probably name too, but yeah, right. I, I don't want to leave her out. Right. Mohawk Networks, right? Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's starting to, the tide is starting to change in that arena. When I first started going to any industry meeting, it was, I was, I was pretty outnumbered. I mean, mm -hmm. I might've been 1% if even that females. Right. So, so in today's, in today's world, there are more and more women that are entering the leadership roles for for broadband and for their tribes and at this event I, we see a lot of women i mean for an ntta events i feel like there's more of a balance between the sexes than we often see at broadband conferences you're probably right about that yeah yeah <laughs> i i and i go to the ntca conferences those are large you know all the rural tel telcos in the nation um pretty much attend those conferences and there are getting to be more and more mm -hmm. 
uh, women. Run by Shirley Bloomfield. That is right. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> the um, and Mike Mike Romano does a wonderful job there as well, uh, as well as other members of their team. Um, in, in the time 2010, you're looking at doing fiber to the home. Um, you know, there's others in the Great Plains who are doing this, some of the co-ops. Um, was that intimidating and scary to take out that volume of loans at that point? Or was there, is there like somewhat reassuring that you have the regulated rates and everything and, and you have a little bit of a net? How, how did it feel at that time going after that project? It was shaky ground at that time. Um, the USF reform was, was starting to take place and we were, we were really uncertain um, about the future of the financial viability of the project. In, in 2012, when, when JD retired, we were, we were really at an impasse. We were at a crossroads. Our board of directors, we had a board retreat uh, in 2013. And we had to make a decision. Do we continue with this fiber to the home project? We had already completed two exchanges and, and it was a difficult decision, but we, our board of directors chose to forge forward with the project. And it was, it was a very good decision on, on our board of directors part to continue that fiber to the home project. And why is that? Why was it? I mean, obviously you have copper that's degrading, but what other pressures are you feeling to try to do the fiber to the home project? It, it was really just to get better quality service and, mm-hmm. and, not not knowing how important the internet would become, because um, we still we still serve communities that are down in Valley, so they don't have good cell phone um, service in those communities. And I, I think a lot of um, tribal nations or reservations have not good cell phone coverage because there are not that many towers on tribal lands. Mm-hmm. That that is um, changing as well. So, but even even now, a lot of our um, people that reside in the communities, they still can't get cell phone service, so they rely on our landline, our, our wireline phone service. And so it was really a matter of them having access to be able to call 911 in an emergency. So it was it was really something we just had to continue on with is get that fiber project completed. Do all of your customers have fiber now? We have passed all houses, yes. Um, the only ones that don't are, there's a new housing development in Eagle Butte, that's going to be over a hundred like apartment complexes, homeowner houses. Um, so those those are new. So we're having to construct fiber to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the majority part of it, every year we're doing new construction. If it's a new business um, that has built a, a new building or a residential um, house, then we we still have to get fiber to them. But other than that, we're a hundred percent fiber. So is it still hard work or are you just sort of chilling out as you're getting mm. ready to retire? No, there's <laughs> there's no chilling out in this position at all. Um, we actually, so we were awarded NTIA TBCP grant to, um, for, we have a digital literacy component. So we've got a, a CRST Telephone Authority YouTube channel. It, it instructs individuals how to apply for Lifeline, how to apply for ACP. We're also doing some... Um, other videos that how to be safe on the internet, um, how to protect your information. Right now we're working on one for uh, social media and we're going to try to highlight some uh, local schools, social media pages, um, some um, tribal pages, some powwow pages, some Indian rodeo pages. Maybe we can get some Indian relay. I, I, 
you know, the sky's the limit. And so we're doing that. The other, the main part of that grant, the TBCP grant, is we're um, given a $50 a month discount for the all all residential customers um, on their broadband bill. And it, it's good for up to three years. I think it ends in April of 25. Mm-hmm. So we have that grant going. That's a good thing for all our consumers. We continuously um, hear how high the cost is. We're, we're right now getting ready to upgrade our our electronics platform. I was just going to ask you that because yeah, yeah. yeah, you, would, you would undo. Yeah, so Calix um, is our is our vendor that we utilize, and we're getting ready to upgrade that. We're going to try to do that before the end of the year. Uh, we're going to change our packaging um, offerings to our subscribers. We're going to try to um, minim- just offer two speed packages. Some have bundled with long distance. We're going to we're really going to change up our package offerings to help not only the the customer but to help our billing department to help our accounting staff we're going to we're going to rework our our service offerings to our subscribers so we offer voice data and uh, video we also have a video product that we provide to our um, subscribers and we have managed wi-fi service that we're we've had a slow rollout of it but it seems to be really good for us that um we don't have to do a truck rollout to Mm -hmm. 80 miles southwest of us to get a customer's internet fix. So we're, we're now offering uh, managed Wi-Fi service. We were just awarded this year. I think it can't keep track of time, but early part of this year, we were awarded the reconnect three grant. Uh, we've got just under $17 million and we're going to construct fiber to the home in the rural Timberlake exchange, which is uh, formerly CenturyLink territory uh, they're the I like there and on Cheyenne River and Standing Rock, uh, but we're going to do fiber to the home, to the rural Timberlake Exchange, starting construction in 2024 for Dewey County, on Cheyenne River in 2025 for uh, Corson County on Standing Rock Reservation. So they're still building out into nearby areas. And we are. What, are, what are the bigger challenges that you're you're facing? I mean, you just described a number of things that have to do with, I think, helping people better use the service and take advantage of discounts and, and that sort of a thing. In terms of for the for the telephone authority to succeed, what are some of the challenges you still you're still facing right now? Some of the f- challenges are are the workforce, and and I think a lot of employers probably experience the same issues that we do attendance um seems to be an issue sometimes but those young people yeah yeah and i don't yeah and and i don't i don't want to elaborate on that but mm-hmm. i think but we but i mean just to we do hear that from a lot of folks like it is we're in a situation where i feel like um uh we are um in all places in the country and probably in, in a lot of other places around the world in europe and elsewhere we're in a situation where i think like the population dynamics are such that the people that we used to count on that would like come to work these jobs were um, not as on the edge of, of whether it's addiction or other challenges in their lives. And they were more able to commit to work than people who are now often filling those positions in some cases. So it's a societal wide f- issue that we're facing. Right. Right. And, and another thing I'm excited about, and I, I want to be like optimistic about everything. So Am I looking at it through uh, rose-colored glasses? But is is workforce development, and how how do we make this broadband industry attractive to mm-hmm. the to the youth of today? 
the future for tomorrow. And, and it's all about being visionary and seeing how we can keep our company moving forward. Workforce development, I'm, I'm excited that we're bringing the Tribal Broadband Boot Camp. Thank you and Matt for, for mm -hmm. considering it and coming out to Eagle Butte in October. Anybody that's listening that's representing tribal nations, please consider get on, online and register for this event October 24th through the 27th. Yeah, tribalbroadbandbootcamp.com or .org, either way. And uh, there's a sign, sign up at the bottom. People can register to express a preference, and then we'll try to get as many folks there as we can. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm really excited about that. I, I've been thinking about that. Um, like with our school systems, let's let's try and get two, two young people to come to this boot camp. And I always think about like there was a period of time when I kept my, my grandson and his brother would come out, Keevan and, and LB, and they'd sit up and play Fortnite all, li all mm -hmm. night long. And so I was talking to some young men here, and I'm like, how do, how, do they, how do they think they were able to play Fortnite all night long? And so I think it's how do we make it attractive? How do we pique their interest in, in broadband? And, you know, they just think they can turn the TV on and plug in the right. Xbox and it's there. <laughs> but it, it, there's a little more behind the scenes that has to happen so they can play that that game on overnight. But Yeah, and most people on uh, on reservations don't have that luxury at this point. Right? That we're, is, we're trying yes, to get there. But. Yes, that is, that is so true. And um, sometimes, I, I don't know, I can't speak for other tribes, but sometimes um, we take things for granted and we just expect it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's kind of been how our company has been. It's like, it's an expectation because our tribe owns us and, and we've got to get that service to them. And, it you know, it really, it just started because the, the copper aged out on us. And I, I'm just glad that we, our company did what we did. And um, we've had a lot of resources that have helped us get to where we are today. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's really important uh, to recognize that because, like I said, there are companies, small and large, who uh, in that situation uh, would have delayed it and then eventually walked away from it. And you don't have that luxury. Uh, so it's, a, it's really good that you stepped up to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, is there any advice you have for, um, you know, at this point, there are hundreds of, of tribes that are building their own networks or contracting to solve this problem. What have you learned? And this will be the last question. So, but what have you, what have you learned along the journey that you would share with others uh, as they're trying to figure out how they're going to solve this problem on their reservation or anywhere in Indian country? My my advice would be to to find some really good consultants that can assist them in in a complex industry, and and build build establish some good relationships with consultants that have the knowledge and the expertise um, to get them to where they want to be, and just just study as much as you can and learn as much as you can and reach out to people that if you don't if you can't find the answer there are plenty of people out in Indian country consultants that can help you figure out the answers that you need. Yeah. It's not like, uh, not like it was back in the day. Like at this point, there's a lot of folks that, that grew up on the reservation who are doing this work, who have known this, who've been doing this for decades. Uh, we got to tap into that knowledge. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And people should definitely come down here to tribal national tribal telecom. And I feel like I should, I should set you up by just noting, It'd be wonderful if there were opportunities to attend National Tribal Telecom Association meetings uh, outside of Arizona. Oh, <laughs> I'm with you on that. And I've, I've talked to Godfrey about that. Hey, Godfrey, you need to come up to the north central part of the country. And you really, you know, um, I, I continuously tell Godfrey, like, we've got to we've got to go to the other tribes. We can't just continue to stay in the southwest here. 
Not that I don't love coming to Gila River and Wild Horse Pass Casino and Resort, but um, it, it'd be nice to go go to where the other tribes mm-hmm. are. Yeah. North, uh, northwest, northeast, north central. Yeah, 100%. Um, also, just got to make sure that people appreciate GRTI puts a lot into this to make sure it can happen. So we want to respect that, of course. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I think it, it, to make it accessible to more folks, it'd be wonderful to have it moving around. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think NTTA's done a great job. Godfrey's um, always out there advocating on behalf of all tribes to the best of his ability. And Gila River does a lot for this this conference, and it continues to grow. And it's it's good to see all these tribes represented here. Yes, and I'm really excited to see where things go next. So I'm um, my understanding is you are retiring but not disappearing. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> Only a limited few will have my phone number, but I'll have it. I'll give my email address out before I retire. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Yes, thank you. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle. Licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.